Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give him life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop his six feet if they're kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in. That's on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit it, talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation You got to unleash the power of the pyramid This is Mike Semper from WrestlingObserver.com Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio uh, This is Kenny Omega, we're listening to One Nation Radio Check it out guys, these guys know what's up Big Kenny Omega fans, that's all it counts to me Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to One Nation Radio. I'm James Boyd, your host. And with me, I have Rich Lotta. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Just real sick and tired of the, you know, the negativity and the hostility towards the WWE. You know, it's just... Oh, yeah? You know, just just real sick and tired of it. You know, we just all need to come together as a WWE family, you know? (laughs) Okay, well, well, you you hold on, sir. We'll get to that in a second. But first, we need to introduce our guests. Uh, With us today, we have Tom Batista of the Military Industrial Suplex. What's going on, Tom? How's it going, guys? Great to be here. A lot to talk about. And, yeah, this should be exciting. (laughs) Yeah, man. Y'all, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear y'all, but can you hear me? Yeah, we can can hear you. Yes, sir. Yes, we can. You can hear you sure you can hear me. Actually there's a little echo behind you. I, I don't I don't Okay, I'm fucking with y'all. I was doing the Teddy Riley. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say something. I said, Oh man, James is about to get on some Riley stuff right now. Said, yeah, man. We're we're okay. too early in the podcast for that. So uh- Okay, Rich. So <laughs> you saw oh, the Babyface versus Teddy Riley uh, beat battle. Do we even call these? Should we even call these beat battles in this no. stage? Should we just call these no. song offs? Yeah, these are like you know curation battles. You yeah. know. Oh, okay. So you watched the whole thing. Let, let's Bruh. let's throw to Tom first, uh, and then we'll, and we'll eventually we'll get to Russell. Yeah. But Tom, what were your real thoughts on this entire ordeal, disaster, fiasco, whatever you want to call it? It's embarrassing. Both of these guys have way too much money to be doing what they did and for the product, more so on Teddy's side. Uh, Babyface, I've seen people say uh, Teddy Raleigh is one of those guys that show up to a basketball court to a pickup game and he's wearing the bandana, the headband, the or not the bandana, but rather the headband, the armband. He's dressed like he's about to 
go right off the bench for the you know six player right off the bench, <laughs> and he sucks. And then you have Babyface come in wearing his dad's shoes, beat up basketball shorts, a T-shirt that's from God knows where, and he's just dunking threes. So that was my overall thoughts. Uh, you know, like you guys said, this isn't really a beat battle. I don't like that they call it that because I'm thinking that this is, you know, something like Manny Fresh was doing where he had Aretha uh, Franklin mixed it with some bounce and things like that. And that's not really happening. They're just going song for song. Uh, Teddy Riley has a lot of Michael Jackson songs, so he should really came out swinging. Uh, Babyface has some as well. But again, like I said, somebody was dressed up, nowhere to go. Oversized shirt like Theo Huxtable. And it was bad. It was really bad. (laughs) So, like, I was like, uh, you know, kind of excited to see this whole thing. I'm like, all right, you know, because uh, a lot of them, like, I'll miss and I'll just go back and watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the Manny Fresh and Scott Stores one a couple weeks ago. Um, I watched a, you know, a, a simulation uh, of 50 Cent Ja Rule done by Hot 97. Rosenberg should be fired uh, for, for having every Ja Rule song under the sun in his arsenal and not knowing what to play or when, or when to play it. You have one job, DJ. Um, so the baby face and, uh, Teddy Riley last night, you know, loaded in nine o'clock baby face shows up late. I see Teddy in there. got his, you know, it, 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 as progressively as these things have like gone on more, you see people trying to add more things into it. And then this was like the biggest, like one that someone did. Like, uh, I believe the RZA, when he was going against rear, he just had a mic or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not really built for all that. Like, <laughs> so you just need to turn your phone on, press play, like, and, and go on, you know, you know, over the mic. But, uh, Teddy's got a dude in the back. I don't know what he was doing. He was like the hype man. He had a DJ on the other side. He had the mic and the mic was like hooked up to like a PA system. So by the time Babyface got on there, his audio was coming through Babyface's. We were hearing that and we were hearing him through the mic or whatever. So there were like two like tracks essentially of whatever he would do mm-hmm. just right after each other and yep. everyone in the comments just clowning like what are y'all doing? Like no sound. The sound's messed up. Every comedian you can think of, big rappers, uh blogs, everything like that. It was just a big disaster. Babyface is sounding straight or whatever. It could because Babyface was doing like exactly what one of us would do on a live, which is right. literally just talking to it and then there's something else that's playing the music and then you just let that ride. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but you know, this birthed a whole bunch of memes. Uh, oh, yes. Everyone was clowning Teddy Rylers for hours, and Babyface. You know, he had wine. He was just chilling, but you can see the look on his face that he was like, "I can't believe this fool can't figure this out." <laughs> and like, I'm typing in all caps, like what they need to do. They finally figure it out after like a half an hour. But by that point, nobody's really trying to hear none of that no more. But yeah, I don't even yeah. think they figured it out actually. No, they didn't because uh, from from what I can tell the timeline, like hearing you know seeing my cousin Alex and you like just talk about like they screwed this up and then seeing the Twitter stuff and certain various clips is like is that what you said? Like it came off sounding like it was you know like a DJ turntable and they were chopping like so you hear like it's it's one beat behind, but right. while it's one beat behind like it's not perfectly synced because this audio delay is not um. A purposeful musical thing so it's like it's off so the music doesn't sync well and you can't hear it, hear it at all 
it sounds terrible. And then like he's going like what two, three, four songs before he realize before people don't he realized people on live can't hear, which is the point of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um and then he's like, All right, well let's try to, you know, figure this out. And by the time he comes back, like the music's so low that you can't hear the shit, which is like, okay, you definitely don't want to go into a B battle when people can't hear when it's not loud. Like rigging the like the pole part of music production at this point is in the game is to try to be as loud as possible while not without digitally clipping. That's that's musical loudness is how we have made you know quote unquote better records over the last thirty five years. It's mm-hmm. like, like like raising the music uh or sorry the the musical shelf or the uh, the, the noise shelf or whatever. So anyway, um, I just thought. I, you know, it interests me because, like, these are two people that, like, did most of their work in an era, like, as I was born or right before I was born. And, like, that, you know, these are two people that are, they have a lot of records that, like, that will go hand in hand. Like, Just Got Pay works, will pairs very well with, you know, anything Teddy Riley did in the 80s, like My Prerogative or Groove Me or whatever else. Because, like, these are two people that are like, the vanguard of New Jack Swing, right? Like, mm-hmm. Outside of maybe, you know, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, there's nobody else you really want to do this more than these two. Mm-hmm. And for Teddy Riley to try to rig the fucking game and stack the deck by putting a hype man in the back, a DJ, uh, a, a drummer on the drums. Meanwhile, this is New Jack Swing. All these drums are fucking digital. <laughs> he's, he's, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's, he's, he's stacking the deck with showmanship to upstage babyface. Who's just like, sitting there in his studio chilling. Right. When when it's funny is like in a beat battle, an actual beat battle, Teddy Riley will watch Babyface, but because this has now become a thing about like like you said a, a curation of all the work you've done and you put it together and like yeah I got hits on Michael Jackson oh yeah well I have hits on Madonna oh yeah well I have hits on um. Bobby Brown, oh yeah, well I have hits on you know, whoever else uh, Babyface has worked on besides him as an own artist it's like, so this thing has turned into on the outside to a lot of people, or at least from my perspective, it's like, you're basically playing like your biggest hits instead of your best beats or even your best mm-hmm. records, like your best singles and it's like, okay, this is how you end up getting Scott Storch beating Manny Fresh when it's like, okay I was there, no <laughs> Not at all. So, um, it, it's just interesting to see how this is all turned to where it's like it's now it's flat out turned into a popularity contest as opposed to who had be- who has better beats, person A or person B. If person B has better beats, they win. Them's the that's the deal. And you know when it comes to you know going round for round and adding it up, like this is turning into something totally different. And this yeah. is like the tipping point. No like you have gone too far away from. You know, it, w- it was one thing when it was like, Teddy, if it was like, okay, look, I know Teddy, given, you know, how most of these have turned out, realized, like, he's going to get washed by uh, Babyface more than likely. Th- he turned into, well, I'm just going upstage with showmanship. So, I'm, you know, in the middle of, you know, when people should be social distancing, I'm going to bring in a whole fucking soundstage and production crew to handle all this. Do you, okay, so, you know the real reason why this all me- was uh, just a disaster? Why? Did you hear about how about this is really him trying to launch his website? So, oh wow! So yes, there was a camera crew, camera crew, two cameras at least that I saw, of high quality cameras, 
and they had different uh, shots, and they were in this room with him, or they were actually like probably in his like uh, his entrance of his house, and then they have this, you know, the black setup around like a, like a TV, like a almost like a um, PSA, not a PSA, a public TV uh, um, backdrop or whatever else, so he could in a rug there to catch some of the uh, reverb or echo in the room, and. That's what we ended up with. Like he was trying to do all this shit except for worry about the main thing, which was people are mostly going to watch this shit on live. Is it going to sound good on my live? And he was worried about this other shit. And you can go to you look at YouTube and see like what the camera shots and what the audio sounded like on his website. And it sounds amazing. The problem is that's not what that's not where we were directed to watch this, bro. Like yeah. you fucked this up royally, and then the whole part about we gonna be back in thirty minutes, and then Babyface comes back like behind him, and like Tim is like, yeah, we we gonna do this later, you know, or whatever else, and then to see like Timberland and Swiss talk about it, and, and Swiss is talking, they sound like, depressed. You know, Swiss, you know, Swiss been rich for a long time, and been in them spaces where like you know with Alicia Keys, he's been in these spaces where he or normally would not have ever been because the way he was talking he was like you know we got to give teddy space to you know to go get, go get everything right it's like if that don't sound like some, like some rich nigga shit there like we got to give we got to give you the space you know not like we got to give him time we got to give him the space like that i love it i love it but anyway it's just like yeah, it was too much together. Like- like, like they deviated too far from right you know, from what this was originally. Yeah, and that's where we run the issues and trying to entertain, um, trying to be yeah. an entertainer. Yeah, unbelievable. But um, lots it's of talk podcast, about right. Yeah, lots of, yeah, yeah. We, we we are here to talk about you know the, the wrestling. Look, but we gave, um, we gave him like fifteen minutes, fourteen minutes on this, so we did, hey man, we did our part. Come for the wrestling, stay for the culture, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the biggest news for this week in WWE is, or in the world, is WWE um, laying off and furloughing a lot of um, employees, um, whether they're on stage um, personalities and acts, or whether they're you know writers or i think there's maybe even one writer but that i saw but there's also producers backstage the agents um people being let go left and right i think it was a number of you know somewhere in the 40s or something like Lots. that maybe even more but, wwe's never got rid of more people at once than, yeah and, and this is i mean to be honest this is a long time coming with um with you know year after year of them hoarding talent over the last let's say since 2016 about is like that's probably the last time there was a a bunch of layoffs and they normally come like around this time like after WrestleMania so they've been delaying it for a long time trying to prevent it something like a AEW from rising up failed and now they're holding a new tighter signing more people um I think the roster has doubled in size on the, as far as um wrestlers over the last um since yeah. 2006 so I mean normally I, like it was around like 150 to 200 and then it like exploded to over 300, 300 right. like the past couple years yeah, so um, I said all that uh, just to you know, just to get Tom's thoughts on this in general before we go through, I guess you know, individual thoughts on certain notable people. It's absolutely crazy. I believe that at one point in time, WCW had about 
a little over 400 people on contracts. So 400 wrestlers. Uh, so to see WWE even approach those numbers when it wasn't even close for some of their biggest periods, when you take a look at the Hogan era, when you take a look at the Attitude era, uh, even if we want to take a look at the early uh, PG era, if you will. So the biggest points in WWF history, they never had a roster this big. As James said, this was a long time coming. It's unfortunate that this was done during a pandemic. One of the issues with WWE is its staleness, not only in presentation, uh, obviously the way they lay out their matches, the music, the whole nine yards. And it doesn't help when you have guys and girls. So you have these men and women that are around for 10, 15 years and they're doing nothing because then that means that their story uh, most likely was told seven, eight, nine years ago. And now they're just treading water. It's one thing if you have one, two, maybe three people, maybe even, I don't know, five. But when you have 10, 20, it starts getting really dicey. And again, you get into a situation like this where WWE did not have to fire these people. Let's be very clear. Brandon Thurston, he's already run the numbers. So many people have run the numbers. WWE is going to make profits. They're going to set record business. They are being propped up by their television deals. Uh, so they're good. They don't need to do this. They did it uh, for the shareholders. So they were already making money. Now they're making a little bit more money. Now you can sit there and say, hey, guys, remember that number that we said we were going to hit? Well, now it's just a little higher. Uh, it's <laughs> unfortunate. But again, this is what happens when you get greedy. You go to the store. You buy all this food. And then you realize you, at the end of the day, can't eat it. So you have to throw some things out. Yeah. Um, it was quite a day, the day that it was all happening, because instead of just releasing the name at all or all the names at once, it turns into uh, literally some Goldberg shit, like, who's next? Like, And they were just adding people to the... Um, to the release column and it was almost like some JTG shit like don't answer your phone or else it might be you and um, <laughs> it's just like as Tom mentioned like you know they've had all these people here for whatever reason and not letting them, them go and you know I, it's not even a dollar amount that they were trying to save it was like a percentage like it was like a profit margin, not an actual profit. Like we trying to save percentage points and there's not a single company in the world as a wrestling company, because you will get people that are, you know, just love the taste of the uh, man shoe leather that have just been, you know, saying, well, companies around the world are doing this correct, but we're talking about wrestling here and there's no wrestling company that's doing this. New Japan is paying everybody. Uh, AEW, to my knowledge, is paying everybody. They haven't released anyone. Impact hasn't released anyone. ROH hasn't released anyone. So it was like, it's it's just Vince. Like, <laughs> and you know, it it, it it was really really sad to hear about like some of these individual stories. And we're gonna get through them, which I'm sure James definitely wants to talk about. But um, it's just like you know, twenty five, thirty wrestlers, bunch of producers talk about you know uh, writers there's probably you know camera people they let go um there's a lot of nxt people that are like slowly like trickling out uh, but yeah except for laura sullivan 
Yeah, except for Lars Sullivan. And some, someone that ironically had asked me what I thought, what, what I think Lars was going to let go. I was like, hell no, he's not going to let go. I was like, uh, I looked at the list of names, and I'm like, these people are clearly picking, picking and choosing um, on who they're letting go. Like, they let go a grand total of, I would probably say, two, maybe three people that I would want to watch somewhere. Mm. Yeah, and that's, yeah, yeah. I think the thing for me is just I understand letting people go but you're letting people go in a climate where like you're letting you're firing people in an era where like nobody can get hired mm-hmm. and it's like that makes you like I, I don't know if they realized or even cared that it's like yeah man no they did and that's somebody's... why it was done because they had all this talent, they didn't want them to go anywhere else. Right. And now that this talent can't go anywhere else, now they let them go. Right. <laughs> so and it's it's terrible. Yeah. So I mean, do you want to go place by? Do you want to go uh, you know, notable person by noble person? Yeah. Um. Let's start with the wrestlers, and then we'll get to like some of the producers. Okay. Um, yeah. I or, okay. I want to start with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. <laughs> Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. Yes. Oh. They brought them in with AJ Styles in 2016 and immediately did jack shit with them. They started them out and had them do uh be with AJ, be their heaters, had that great, you know, short ran feud between AJ Styles and Roman Reigns, babyface versus babyface, and over the fact that like there's just constant misunderstandings and you are hurting the people we care about so therefore we have to go to war and there was an awesome feud and then after that they turned AJ Hill for John Cena and then they started Anderson and Gallo specifically started feuding with the New Day and absolutely sucked and they had them doing the stupid ball or comedy based around Big E's testicles having balls in a jar Biggie coming back and then drinking the, the, his balls back into his and I guess which is that's not even anatomically how that works but whatever um, and then from there you go f- you go through it the rest of the way and it was and it was they never had good fuse they rarely ever had good matches they were always in and on and off TV depending on you know whatever and then AW pops up and comes along and their contract comes comes up at uh, I think at the end of last year, beginning of this year, and they magically want to sign them to seven hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollar contracts per year, and it's like, okay. well, they kept bumping up the number, so uh, they were turning them down at first, and then they kept bumping right. up the number, and then eventually, once it's seven hundred fifty thousand a year, you're like, well, fuck it, I'll take it. Yeah, and I, just for just for obviously inflation and whatnot, but like just give you an example of what that 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 number represents to me. When I think of someone making seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars per year in in WWE, <laughs> it makes me think of like when Shawn Michaels lost his smile when he was a main eventer, he was a world fucking champion in, in nineteen ninety six through seven. That's how much money he was making then. So for, like obviously you know things have changed, but like. It ain't. It hasn't inflated that goddamn much for Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. He making that much fucking money per year. They clearly. Over, this is one of the um, perfect examples of them overpaying people not to leave, afraid that they're going to end up in AEW, even though they had no use for them. And that's. 
and we flash forward and it's immediate buyers remorse so they like alright we yeah we was bugging it's funny send them like, the like they gotta live up they gotta live up to the contract but Vince doesn't have to live up to the contract yeah that's, that's always amazing how, NFL how that works them. yeah <laughs> The thing about uh, Gallus and Anderson, it was just diminishing returns as well. I mean, like you said, James, seven fifty is a lot of money. But one of the things, one of the main reasons why they were brought in was because of that Bullet Club cachet. And again, not really wanting them to go anywhere else. Because at one point in time, they were in contact with Impact. But Impact, for a variety of reasons, dropped the ball. And so that wasn't really going to be realistic. And... Again, WWE has this really hard time in maintaining the cool factor of its talent. And so you have two guys that come in from one of the hottest stables post-NWO. Shirts all around the world, selling out. You see them at every single wrestling show. And they didn't do anything with them. Like you said, they had the New Day feud. Uh, The line that I remember is... Uh, Luke Gallo saying, see, and that's the problem. A grown man crying over a toy sword because Xavier Woods is on the ground like, wow, or whatever it may be after they did their time machine bit or uh, oh, whatever God, it was. The old day. But, <laughs> the old day. but, you know, when you have guys that come in with that cool factor and that mystique and then you realize, wait a minute, these are the same guys from New Japan that were putting out those mediocre matches towards the end of their run and you don't have the Bullet Club logos and all this other stuff, and you have to do the second-rate thing that TNA did in uh, with Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Six with Sean Waltman, where they were the, the band, band because yep. they couldn't be the NWO, oh, despite man. the band having the same color scheme, font, et cetera, et cetera. It, it was just a matter of time, and you know the crowds haven't really responded. Uh, you know Both of those guys, good as a tag team. Uh, but yeah, like I said, the creative wasn't there. And they didn't have to cachet it. They didn't have that mystique anymore. They didn't have the Bullet Club. And that's where we are. Carl Anderson couldn't yeah. cuss anymore, which was like the coolest <laughs> thing about him. Uh, he's an awesome talker. And it, they're already like dropping hints. I believe they opened up their podcast again with Rocky Romero. So uh, they can probably end up in New Japan again, which they'll probably go back to being, you know, a little bit better than they were in WWE. Yeah, and and for the record, I'm not saying that these are two people that were like supposed to be like on par with the Usos and the New Day as far as like you know the leading this generation of tag team wrestling. Absolutely not. Like Rich, I want to say like the first time they came back, or whatever. How long? How many weeks did it take me to say that? Like I don't know who's the worst athlete on the main roster, Luke Gallows or Enzo Amore. Like it's no, he <laughs> no, he's just slow and, and whatever else. But like the fact that they couldn't like keep them in a position to where they can just be like you know top mid card tag team talents you could they beat people or whatever else on tv every three weeks or whatever else and then like when you're trying to build a tag a tag team for a title shot you roll their ass out there and you have them pin that sloth or pin the pin the other ball guy like they never they they're so bad with roster position it's either like you're a mid carder or you're not on tv there's no like that's really the only two options in WWE right now, um, but but, it, but yeah, I just I just thought that like the way this all worked, it was like these are people that you don't really necessarily want if you want like depending on what your professional professional wrestling that you enjoy is, 
there are some places you can put them like AEW makes sense because of the Bullet Club Elite Connection or whatever else. But like, and same thing with um, New Japan. But like outside of that, there's really not a, a place for them to be like, all right, we can utilize them in something they've done before and just like import them that way. So, you know, the second they got separated from AJ in the brand split thing, when they moved, kept them on Raw and moved AJ to SmackDown, it was a wrap ever since then. And the fact that like, they still said, we'll give you this amount of money to stay. It's just like, for who? For what? And now... Yeah. And, and it know. makes it transparent for everyone yeah. that was like, you know, this is not because of AEW. I mean, anyone that was saying that was, you know, their credibility was shot anyway by saying that. <laughs> right. But, you know, looking back at it now, it's even goofier. So let's go do some of the more of, yeah. of these names. So like another name, uh, we have share affinity for this guy, Leo Rush. Um, probably, you know, my number one selection, not everyone that's been released on here. Uh, someone I would like to see go to AEW. Um, he, he, he's an interesting name because you just look at all the other talents on here. He's way more talented than everybody else on here. Right. Yeah. And, you know, there have been things with Leo Rush of him won his release. They had tried to, you know, offer him different extensions that he turned down, like, because, you know, obviously, why wouldn't you with these seen with some of the numbers that they were talking about? And you never can, like, with the Emma thing and how everyone just came out firing on him. Uh, it was like on shaking ground. He was on shaking ground from, from the from the jump from a lot of different veterans. And, you know, people like Mark Henry disappointed us time and time again for not, you know. And that's kind of around the time he started showing his true colors. But, um what do you guys think about Leo Rush? Like, you know, his true process because he might just want to do music. Yeah, Leo Rush sounds as though he's potentially out of the game. Uh, there may be a few more matches left in him, um, but I don't know if his heart's there. I don't know if his head's in the game. To me, Leo Rush is one of these guys like ACH. All the talent in the world, great physique, uh, great move set, charismatic. They can both talk, but again. Is the head there? Is the heart there? We'll find out. It sounds as though Leo Rush really wants to uh, start investing in some things outside of pro wrestling, which is always good. Um, as far as him showing up in AEW or doing something in PWG or wherever he goes, if he decides to do wrestling again, I would love to see it. Uh, like I said, he showed that he can talk. He showed that he has presence. Who knew that a Bobby Lashley-Leo Rush combo was the peanut butter and jelly we needed, you know? And uh, yeah, like I said, I hope to see more of him. I hope this isn't the end of the road for Leo Rush. I think he still has something left in the tank and something to show. James? Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I um, say I right think was that, on. <laughs> here you go. Can y'all hear me? No, uh, but yeah, I think that uh, he's spectacular. He's one of the best... Americans we have going right now um, so you know and we, we saw with the Lashley stuff that he's such a good uh, promo and, com- and has such command of the mic and presence that he can get over Vince's dialogue which is something that like very few people can do on a consistent basis and he's one of them so like I think that he is specifically built for television in, a, in that way uh, and is perfectly built for AEW and their, their style of wrestling Um it just, I mean, obviously, you know, it comes down to uh, personality and after that. But 
to me, him to AEW is a no-brainer. He should be somebody after that to like immediate, immediately be made to be shot to the mid-card. Yeah. Um, and, Upper and, mid-card. You Upper know, mid-card, some, sorry. Some of us over Leo, like, as Tom said, it might come down to, like, personality, like, to who he's dealing with backstage and how he's navigating the political waters uh, everywhere. So, and that's just, like, it's like some baseball shit, like essentially like these unwritten rules and, you know, a lot of different stuff. Like it seems like he's yet to like have someone really like break it down to him now. Hey, this is how this works, but he might not give a fuck. Like, <laughs> so, um, well, one thing about that is like the WWE culture is very, very different from the AEW culture. Like, I don't think they have motherfuckers that are like 12 year vets or whatever, like picking up people's water bottles because, you know, motherfuckers yeah. don't know how to act like, or you know, trash because motherfuckers act like slobs and how to pick up, clean up after themselves. So I don't think you have to. I don't think we have to worry about that. And also, like these aren't people that are on the road every single week in a crew and have to worry about that dynamic. This is a one week come in, one week and then leave and then come back next week or whatever else that sort of thing. So um, I a lot don't of history think- with some of the folks there too, like uh, Joey Janela and Leo Rush, and you know, just people he's been with over the years. Yeah. Um, so I think. I think. You don't know, but I think some of the stuff of um, why, you know, it quote unquote didn't work in WWE um, won't be the same problems that happened to AEW. And um, quite frankly, like AEW, like they, they they flat out need black wrestlers like so they need so like whatever situation they have or black singles act. So like whatever situation, you know, might be a problem like they need to look kind of like. Hey man, like we're never. When's the next time we're going to get someone as good as that? As when's good the Leo as Rush going to hit That is that is black. When are we ever going to see another situation where that comes up? It's already a you know a ready made start that the crowd that our audience already knows. We don't have to like build towards. Like yeah. when's that ever going? When is that ever going to come into their lap? How many years it, is that going to be? Especially with, with, with how Vince is like locking people up. Like that's that. my point. So it's like you know, like um, I you know at the least they should kick the tires and try. Yeah. Like get off your ass and stop trying to watch Chris Bay's uh, fucking uh, <laughs> YouTube videos or YouTube clips, whatever. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're out here hiring anybody that was ever, uh, you know, ever taught had a conversation with Cody or Chris Jericho from the last like 30 years. It's just amazing, and uh, and that is what's kind of amazing to me about the AEW hires, where you see someone like John Silver or whoever that other small guy is in the Dark Beaver Order, Boys, right? Yeah, the Beaver yeah. Boys, and I say, okay. Crime time is right there. You have two guys that can talk. They look great. They are still. I went to uh, Mania weekend. Uh, that's where I met you guys. And they still had a line. People still love these guys. They have that name. They have that value. They have the presence. They are legit. They can go in the ring. And yet they're looked over for, again, two guys that had a cup of coffee or a conversation with Cody Rhodes five years ago. And we're starting to see that throughout the roster where the young bucks essentially, and they said they wanted to do this and they have, uh, they wanted to create a wrestling promotion where they can hire all their friends. And that's what we're seeing. And sometimes it's cool to say, Hey, QT, I love you. Let's grab some barbecue, but maybe we're not going to put you on dynamite tonight. <laughs> it's okay. 
is one of y'all take it wherever y'all want to go. I'm, I'm still basking in the glow of like someone besides me having a shit on QT Marshall. So yeah, I'm, you know, hey man, QT is real. QT, yeah, real fucking unbelievable at watching to watch him wrestle. Ridiculous, that shitty ass wrestler. Whatever. Let's let's let's, let's anyway. Let's move on. Where we're gonna go. The, um, the, they dr- so. like you know what you what make his gimmick actually like to where it wouldn't bother me as much. If he did all the all the bad like flips and stuff in his wrestling, except like he said that he was drunk. Like if he was like the drunken See, master, then it would make so much wilding. more sense that he could be like that crummy at doing all the stuff he does. And we could be like, look at him. He you know, it looked terrible, but like he's drunk, so it is what it is. It's cool. Wow. But no, he's sober and he's thoroughly <laughs> mediocre doing fucking great Sasuke's while he's barely getting over the rope, hugging the rope to get over. Terrible. Stop that shit. Yeah, let QT burn his soul up. Um, <laughs> so uh, Rusev is another big name yep. uh, that was mm. that was put on the cuts, and uh, you know they, they built him up for John Cena. John Cena beat him, and <laughs> you know he he got he got over by the fans just realizing he's always done good work, and you know the Avatar of Rusev Day kind of kind of lived in WWE. Had no interest. They capitalized on it way too late. And he floated around the roster for years and years and years. And he's out of there now. This is one of the guys, Rusev. He's one of those guys that when you look at him, you listen to him, you see his personality online and outside the ring. You see it on Total Divas. And you say, okay, this guy's clearly a star. He looks like a star. He carries himself like a star. He's charismatic. He's witty. He's solid in the ring. So, of course, they have nothing to do with him. <laughs> they have nothing for him to do, I should say, or in both cases, because obviously they released him. Uh, they put him in these angles where he loses Lana to Dolph Ziggler, of all people. <laughs> and through then, the fish. Yeah, through, through that. And then eventually uh, Bobby Lashley, he loses her again. And... Uh, it's just unfortunate. It's one of these things where, again, you have this guy, WWE doesn't know how to keep a cool factor around someone. And not only do they not know how to keep the cool factor, but if you are not that per- person that they want to push, you get the Zack Ryder treatment. And that's exactly what happened to Rusev. He got the Zack Ryder treatment of getting two over. Rusev Day shirt started selling. The chants are everywhere. There were you know, the chance are down Bourbon Street during WrestleMania in New Orleans. It got too big. Aiden English started getting over. You can't have people get over in WWE unless you are on that list of people who should. And they sent him home. Uh, I think he came back. He came back for the uh, Lana and Lashley angle after being off the road for four or five months, I believe. And then that was just pretty much it. Oh, that was man. his swan song. Yeah. Um I yeah, it, it, <laughs> I just it's ridiculous. Uh this is somebody that if it doesn't work for Rusev, how the hell is it ever going to work for? This is a person that was um in NXT before it re- hit the network. This is back when he was back when it was you know they were basically wrestling uh, house shows in a in basically a warehouse in Tampa. Um, yeah, you know his first uh, he comes up to the main roster and they push him very very well as a as his foreign evil heel for you know 
year and like 15 months or whatever. You know, he's one of the better mid-card champions of of um, the One Nation Radio era, if you will, of the two thousand, let's say the two thousand tens. You know the the matches with Mark Henry and the matches with Jack Swagger and the matches with Big E were all very varying the levels of, varying levels of hoss fights that were fun at the time um, and got over um, the babyface at the time even even while losing where people, crowd was living and down with the babyface in a um, old school type of way um, that led to the Cena thing he comes out on the tank. They, you know, that match wasn't all that good, but their second match uh, was was very good. Um, and then they go from there, and you have the breakup thing, as you mentioned before. Um, and you know, whatever it was, it seemed like they always had something for him to do until they didn't. And it's just weird to me that this is somebody that's like, this is one of your guys. Like, if you get credit for your developmental system or whatever else, it's going to be for Rusev's and Velveteen Dreams and Bianca Belair's and Charlotte Flair's, you know? Um, so for it to go the way that it has, I, you know, it's, all right, how long before, you know, every obviously, you know, everything has a shelf life, but this is somebody that is, as you mentioned, charismatic. Is somebody that is genuinely likable to the fan base. That's the reason why Rusev Day got over. It wasn't just you know the Rusev Day thing. It was like we like this guy. He's done a lot of good work for us uh, that we've seen him do over the years. Like, is he going to be um, you know someone that's going to be a main eventer? Probably not. Probably not. But. This somebody that could have been, you know, used better as throughout his career, especially this the last last three years, um, as somebody that could have been valuable as a just a standard mid card dude that like comes out, you know, cuts, gets a promo, you know, once a month that sort of thing, or does a talking segment once a month and does whatever he does to try to elevate other people or you know gets you know a win here and there, whatever else. Like this somebody should have been featured on pay per views on a you know pretty consistent base over the last three years and they did they didn't use that at all when they're dying to have any you know it a, a guy get any kind of reaction these days like they didn't want to use that guy at all it's really weird and i, I want to expand on that because roman reigns mentioned uh recently in an interview i want to say it was with sports illustrated i might be wrong about the publication uh but in short he mentioned that now it's about athleticism and less about characters. Now, I don't believe that he said less about characters, but he definitely focused on the athleticism aspect Mm -hmm. of pro wrestling. And you're talking about characters, and that's what always drew. Austin wasn't in his prime, wasn't this technical masterpiece, you know, doing all these Sasuke specials and all this other crazy (laughs) stuff. A lot of his matches are punch, kicks, things along those lines. Uh, You know, and when we start talking about characters, characters rusev is a character he's also a great wrestler a lot of the people that wwe is keeping or has kept are great wrestlers but no real character Mm -hmm. cedric alexander fantastic in the ring no character ricochet fantastic in the ring hands down no character and then you have people that have some type of character but they don't but it's not really fully developed. They don't really understand it. And they are focusing more so on the work aspect versus fully fleshing out a character and the motives. <laughs> I remember talking to uh, one of my guests on my show, Al Gets, and we were talking about how uh, how 
when racism in pro wrestling creeps up, when a character is racist, mm-hmm. it's never really this slow build or this not even a slow build, but more so uh, something that we already establish about the character on day one. It's one of these things where this person doesn't do anything, everything's fine, and then one day they're dropping the end bomb. And it's like, whoa, where did that come from? And that's why the company gets the heat and not the character, because that is not the character. Uh, so just to go back, like I said, it's getting rid of Rusev is eliminating a great character that people actually care about outside of that bell to bell. That's why they are left with people like Bray Wyatt. When Bray Wyatt comes down to the ring, everyone has their phones out. He gets a reaction. The moment that match starts, same thing with Seth Rollins. Same thing happened with Dolph Ziggler before he was 100% cooled off. They get a reaction. They get a pop. Nobody cares about the match. People still want characters. WWE doesn't want characters. That's why Rusev's gone. He's going to make a lot of money wherever he decides to go. Yeah, and with Rusev, I'm not. I'm not sure. Like about you know, he he is as James mentioned, one of their guys been in their system forever. Like made a lot of money. You would think. Um, I don't know if he has the hunger to continue going forward. He'd be awesome in just about any Japanese company. Uh, you know, he'd be good in AEW as Dude, well. Can you imagine him doing it like being put in a G one, like it, specifically in the B block? Because we know who's in the B block. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, I want to see Rusev versus Ishii, please, or whatever the hell Bar- Mirosov, Barnyashev, whatever the hell he's he's going to go by in his post WWE career. I want to see him versus Ishii. I want to see him versus Goto. I want to see him versus Shingo. Yeah, Rusev, one of the guys that strangely has credibility in any portion of the audience. Um, and it took him a long time to get that. Because I remember when Rusev first came around, I thought it was horrible. I thought he sucked. And then, like, just over time, he, like, wore me down. Like, man, everything he does, it, like, it tends to work out. But, uh, yeah, best wishes to him. I'm, I'm, and it's crazy. His wife still works there. They didn't, did not release her. Um, so... Uh, another guy, uh, Zach Ryder, been around forever. Uh, as, you, as you mentioned earlier, Tom, uh, this guy originally got over a long time ago. <laughs> had had them, you know, chant, we want Ryder at The Rock, of all people. And, uh, you know, they killed him. They, they had Kane kill him, put him in a wheelchair, had him get kicked in the nuts, had John Cena take his girl, had, you know, him win a belt randomly at a WrestleMania and lose it a day later. John uh, Cena he took his girl without even trying. Yeah. She, his girl, his quote unquote girl, which was never actually his girl, threw herself at John Cena and far away from Zack Ryder. And then, just to let you know, show of the year, this geek will never. Dick. Yeah. No, just, after- just to let you know, this geek will never, ever. And y- y'all people that like him and all that. Y'all will never see y'all selves prosper like this. Th- that's all this was. Yeah, what happened to Zack Ryder? I, I, this guy deserves a Webby uh, <laughs> as far as his uh, internet presence early on. I mean, it was really influential uh, for WWE's social media page, for their YouTube channel. This guy got himself over the same way long time ago, Prince looked at the internet and said, okay, there has to be a different way to distribute music. We have to do something different. And Prince was one of the 
pioneers of digital music and getting things out to the people in a different way uh, in the early, early dawn of the internet or the internet's early age, however we want to phrase that. And Zack Ryder was the same way when it comes to social media in pro wrestling and leveraging it to a way where, hey, you're not just telling people you're going to be at this town or, hey, here's my new shirt, but what can I do to really get myself over, create a brand that's going to be so big that both wrestling and non-wrestling fans will watch it and that WWE can't ignore it. And they wanted to move his channel to YouTube, uh, to their YouTube. <laughs> and they brought him on TV. And he got more exposure and more exposure because of him just sitting at home saying, hey, I have nothing to do. Let me get myself over. Let me use this internet thing and this Twitter machine and this YouTube stuff stuff and figure it out. And it was, you know, it was like the company told him, we, we want to have the same bank account. We want to share it with you. Exactly. Yeah. Once, <laughs> once he once he baked the bread, everyone wanted to eat it. So he was the chicken little and the little Richard at the same time. And yeah. he suffered the same thing as uh, some of the other people that we're going to talk about as well. They were just around too long. At some point in time, the hero's journey comes to an end. Uh, even just 30 years ago, if we go back just 30 years, a lot of people were in and out of companies. Five years, six years, seven years. After seven years, like, oh, God, why won't this guy leave? Now we have guys like Zack Ryder, who, again, is no longer there, but there are some other people that are still on papers for various reasons, mainly due to their last name, Natalia, Tamina. <laughs> and I, I don't know. Like I said, I think that he did everything that he could do. The fans were always with him. Zack Ryder always remained over. Uh, like you said, he won the Intercontinental title at Mania. Huge pop. Everyone's woo-woo-wooing. He won the tag team titles with Kurt Hawkins, of all people, at Mania. Huge pop. The fans stayed with him. Right now, he has the highest-selling T-shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees, uh, for whatever that means. He's going to be fine. He accomplished his dream. We we roll with him all the way to the end, but this is the end for Zack Ryder. As far as uh, any future is concerned, I don't know. I mean, honestly, if I never see another Zack Ryder match, I'll be okay. Uh, if he doesn't pop up anywhere, I'll be completely fine. I think he is one of the examples of he's a great hand. He obviously has some clout. But he isn't someone that you should, at this point in time, for any company, put in a main event or really feature on their brand. Again, if he pops into Impact, does a match or two, I'm not going to complain. But I think the whole Zack Ryder thing is over, for me at least. Yeah, um, Zack Ryder was somebody that got over in... But he's like, yeah, he got over, but like... Is it, in this era, like it's a bad fit for him because this is an era now of, all right, like WWE is terrible at storytelling. So the only thing that they have as a saving grace is their ability to have an occasional person come out and cut a great promo, and they have more in ring talent, more in ring talent than anyone else, right? So Zack Ryder 
regardless of him being um, a WWE guy through and through, even even by that standard of the through and through WWE people, he was at the bottom of the list as far as workers. Um, he had stuff that got over like the Broski boot uh, and whatnot, but like he was very a by the numbers um, wrestler. Um, and in this era, there are thousands of those types, and being a good wrestler isn't even good enough this in this day and age. So, unless he's going to figure out another way with another character and get himself over again, I really don't see what his value is, aside from being, like, maybe a tag team guy somewhere else. But, as far as the singles act, I think that's kaput. Um... But you know, whatever. We'll see. We'll, I think he really needs to reinvent himself um, to uh, and change. You know, with the way he worked, the way he, you know, he, um, the way he presented himself, and and go from there. Like, I, but I think like the Jersey Shore stuff is is done. It's finito. Um, yeah, turn heel. Do something else. Like, yeah, he's like, be angry. Like, <laughs> I mean. He could easily, uh, if he wants to turn heel, he could easily keep the Jersey Shore stuff. All he has to do is turn up some of that, the, the situation, some of that Ron, Ron when he's on the Ron juice. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think he, I, he does have a friend that we have to hope, you yeah. know, doesn't doesn't want to, you know, go ahead. He wrote a glowing long post about him on Instagram. Instagram, that's right. I'm talking about you, Cody Rhodes. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I mean, you, you can already see it, can't you? I can see it now. You can already I, see, like, he comes in, they tag a little bit, and however many months down the road, he turns on he Cody. He in the head with a chair. Because Cody always gets turned on. I, I, I can see it. I find that to be, I'm already exhausted and tired from, from the idea of that. But if he calls AEW, I think he he's going to have to flat out, like, from the ground up, change a lot of stuff, including the way he works, because that, that style ain't going to fly. You get left in the dust. Like, yeah, you won't we'll, get booked. Yeah, and we'll talk about like the you know working the a quote unquote WWE style in AEW how that worked out on Wednesday, but um, we'll get to that eventually. Is, is there anybody else you think that we that we really need to talk about? Uh, EC three because oh, yeah. he's he, he's a guy that you would think it, it's amazing. Even when you fit the prototype, you still might not fit the prototype. And this man's Russell Factory, so like. I have no use for this guy as a wrestler. I'm not into the whole EC three thing at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, hell of a look. Uh, hell of a, you know, promo from, you know, everything I've gathered. Uh, he did get over somewhere else after leaving WWE once. Uh, you never know how WWE can react to those things. And, and they clearly did not react well to this guy. Uh, you know, <laughs> once he was in there with uh, the then Dean Ambrose and the crowd already saw what it was about to be, you know, there was a whole thing with them working house show and flipping uh, or flipping babyface and heel on house shows and the right reaction not coming. And Vince just took it out on that guy, you know, and we never saw him again. Like, <laughs> aside from like, you know, a random here or there on main you event. Know, like the, you know, basically like the, the peanut gallery of people chasing out 24 seven title. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's uh, plenty of dudes that that don't make it that should. Yep. EC3, I don't I don't really have like sympathy for. He'll he'll get a shot somewhere else. Like you know, you got a good body, you'll figure it out somewhere in wrestling. And James, you mentioned with Zack Ryder, you talked about reinvention. One of the things about a lot of these guys, the No Way Jose's, the Kurt Hawkins, uh, even EC3, this is really now a time to reinvent. 
because going to AEW or Impact or wherever it may be as uh, Kurt Hawkins or uh, Brian Myers as his shoot name or uh, you're going there as Heath Slater, Zack Ryder, etc. All that's done. Now's the time, as you said, you can't just do a broken Matt Hardy. Uh, so there's a uh, Chris Jericho. People, I compare him to David Bowie, where he just constantly comes out, does a little something different, reinvents mm-hmm. himself. Matt Hardy, a lot of people say that he's like that as well, but he really isn't. I mean, he reinvented himself two or three times, but the last reinvention, he has carried that well past his expiration date where the broken universe isn't really that interesting. The character's stale. He's not really adding anything to it. He's not trying to make it different. And so I think that with a lot of the releases that happened, again, you have the uh, woman down, the Brazilian down in NXT, where her... Tanara. Yeah. Tanara Conchi. Yeah, where her entire gimmick is, I'm a black belt. That's not going to fly. So... Hopefully, a lot of these people, if I do see them again, uh, not to sound uh, cryptic, uh, but a lot of them will pop up in various other places that they take this time to reinvent, retool, and get that WWE stink off them. Try and do something a little different. So I'm going to go through like real quick some of the other releases. Um, like There was Drake Maverick who had a sad-ass video they put online, and we're going to talk about him later uh, with a WWG one that's, that's out there. He's somehow still in. Um, then there's, of course, like uh, Eric Young, uh, Heath Slater, Aiden English, Kurt Angle, released from his agent's contract, Sarah Logan, Eric Rowan, who was basically you know a, a guy that was not doing jobs uh, for a long period of time, and Daniel Bryan, the then WWE champion, was losing to protect. Primo uh, and Epico somehow uh, have held on this long, and they're gone now. Uh, the the Canellises, Mike Bennett and Maria Canellis. I like the Carter side. Yeah, uh, and Noe Jose, uh, and then there's like uh, uh, the coat on the coach end. Uh, you're looking at like some NXT folks like Serena Deeb, uh, Ace Steel, Kendo Cashin. Apparently, NXT Japan is a no go now, um, and you know a lot of other agents like Lance Storm and uh, you know Sarah Stock, Shane Helms, Pat Buck, Sean Devari. Not, and I repeat, not. The finesser himself, Jeff Jarrett, always wins. He always wins. He will not, under any circumstances, not have a check coming in. That check is always coming in. Make it out to J E double F. Yes. J A double R E double T. Cha Ching. Yes. yes. He will not lose. So, so James, what did you think of when you heard about the Lance thing? Oh, the Lance thing infuriated me because Lance, them doing this to Lance isn't just, oh, it happened to a guy. It also hurts the fucking industry. Like, Lance is one of the best trainers in North America. So, you can think of, like, people like Tyler Breeze, uh, the Iconics, and a few other people that WWE has signed themselves that were trained or got finishing with Lance. And they pretty much got Lance out the table when he, when he started, you know, working with, uh, Cyrus and at impact, uh, you know, doing some stuff on the weekend warrior type producing thing or whatever else. And they, they, you know, they hired him, um, after, you know, he, they brought him in a couple times to NXT or to the PC or whatever else to work with some people like Rhea Ripley, for example, is one he mentioned, um, 
on Observer um, podcast, whatever else. And you could see that they brought him in and he packed up his school. Like, the school no longer exists. The Storm Wrestling Academy or whatever else. I think that's what it's called. Storm Wrestling Academy. Yeah. It's no, it's no more. He packed up all that shit because he was in the ring bumping with you and or whatever else. And now that's gone. And he was someone that could, like, that was teaching people or work with people that, like, work different styles. Like, it wasn't just, I'll teach you how to wrestle when, like, wrestle, like, the two th- early 2000s style. It was like, no. Tyler Breeze, like can work virtually any style, including working at any style today. Like, you go through his matches in NXT, like, whether it was with Austin Theory or it was a Ricochet or um, someone else I'm blanking uh, when he came back or did spot duty or whatever else. And, like, he can wrestle the quote-unquote modern style or whatever else. And a part of that is because of Lance's flexibility of being someone that's in his, what, late 90s, early 50s. I'm sorry, yeah. sorry late 40s, early 50s. And... Being flexible enough to know, like, all right, the stuff that worked for me when I was working doesn't work in the same way. You're going to be out on your own. You're going to have to try to figure stuff out or whatever else. I can help you try to bridge the gap between, like, believe a bit to where, like, you can work a style to where it fits perfectly with today's style, but it's still respectable with the older generation of the 50-year-olds that watch NXT or the main roster, right? <laughs> so for him to get snatched up, and then four mu- and then he packs up all the shit. And then four months later, he's he's let go. It's like you have hurt the next generation of professional wrestling for all the people because he does. He was doing three sessions a year. He yeah. was doing a winter session, which is like I don't know why the fuck you going to uh, <laughs> you going to Canada in the winter to train. You, <laughs> you know, look, and you got to get in there and clean that place up. In right, the cold. you got a he had a spring session and a summer session. So I just don't I just don't get why they would do this person. And this is a person that, like, Vince likes, apparently. Mm-hmm. This is a person that, like, you know, I, I so I just don't get it. Like, it makes no sense to me. Well. It, and it hurts the industry because, like, this is somebody that, like, eventually, if he starts back, he may, he may close up shop and never open it back up or whatever else. But if he trains people again in the future, it's only a matter of time before WWE goes out and hires more motherfuckers that he had a hand in. And it's like, this how you do him? There's no loyalty in this company. Mike Kyoto, 31 years. Right. Probably the most legendary referee that they have at this point. Yep. Not a, it's either him or Hebner. Yeah. Gone. Like, he's had that salary and just gone. Yeah, out in the cold. Fuck you. Now keep like, in mind, like, think about Kyoto. Anytime The Rock has a match, it's with Kyoto. What they gonna do now? Yeah. Well, <sighs> I'm saying I'm just I'm just I'm, I'm just saying like alluding to you like how trusted that dude is. He was the one that's calling all those Rock matches in the early uh, two uh, two thousand two or two thousand tens. Now what? It's kind of like when Cena was gone. That's kind of when Arn Anderson losses. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, lost a stroke backstage. Um, I don't know, man. What, what do you guys think about some of the some of the defenses that you know have come out? You know, for WWE as far as like you know Seth Rollins and um, you know just different stuff on the internet. You know, comparing this to Disney and uh, yeah, a lot of that stuff. Okay, so uh, uh, Tom, you go ahead. Yeah. Um, 
one of the things about just being online and just having access to something like Twitter or YouTube or just social media in general, just any real media that you can just manipulate or edit or whatever it may be in just a few seconds, you get the hot takes, you get the reactionaries. Uh, as you said, the, uh, what is it? The defense force, the fed defense force. Or defense <laughs> squad. I can't remember the name you guys use, but yeah, essentially, yeah, the defense squad. So essentially the problematic people that are quick to say, Oh yeah, but what about AEW or, Oh, well, Vince is just trying to save money. They're not really thinking things through. And, you know, when you have someone like Seth Rollins, who has shown that, there's a difference between being a company man and a bootlicker. And <laughs> Seth Rollins is not only licking boots, but he is shining them up real nice before he does. There is a fine line. There's it, The sad thing about a lot of these takes is you don't have to say anything. You do not have to say anything. Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, here's the facts. I never liked hearing the term locker room leader. Because when I think of locker room leader, I think of someone who's standing on the front lines and saying, guys, we need to get paid more. I'm going to the boss. We're going to get this figured out. Hey, guys, we're carrying our own water. We shouldn't be doing this after bumping all in the ring. Hey, guys, this is a week to mania. I'm going to talk to Vince. We shouldn't be wrestling a week before mania. Right. There's no reason for me to blow out my back in Baton Rouge and then fly to L.A. and then the you know, my mania page cancer. Right. That's a locker room leader to me. Yep. Let's take a look at what these locker room leaders did. <laughs> Seth Rollins, <laughs> he's on Twitter deciding how should I chime in? And then it eventually reverts back to his true self where he's licking boots. You have John Cena sitting in his mansion, sending out tweet motivation 101 PBS special tweets, where there's all these platitudes Hey, guys, look deep into your heart and let your heart find you. It's like, okay, whatever. Roman Reigns <laughs> is obviously. Bro, I don't even think Cena logged in for that. That is on auto set, like January 1st, and all the yeah. tweets just go out. Yeah, John Cena does seem like a fine your Y ass nigga. He does. He absolutely <laughs> does. <laughs> Roman Reigns is, uh, for the most part, pretty radio silent. I mean, obviously, he has some kids coming along the ways. He's a busy man. Uh, he obviously took his stance of, guys, I'm not showing up as a recovering leukemia patient. I'm not coming to work. And I'm just not really seeing this leadership. I always hear these guys are locker room leaders. When No Way Jose is on his way on riding an empty metro, with face masks and gloves because he's told he's an essential employee. And then within 72 hours, he is fired via phone call. Where's Seth Rollins? Where's Roman Reigns? Where's John Cena? There's no locker room leaders in WWE. There's never going to be a union. These guys were perfectly fine being left in Saudi Arabia. They were perfectly fine with being fired and released during a pandemic. There's just been so many things that have happened in the last just five years. Nothing's going to change. There's no locker room leaders in WWE. If you want somebody that's going to pat you on the back and say, hey, you don't have to pick up towels anymore. Yeah, those guys are there. But for <laughs> real change, WWE doesn't have anyone. And they probably never will. You know who the locker room leader is? Vince. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, I just don't. Um, you talk about the locker room leadership thing, and it's like, yeah, you're right. Like, that's what a locker room leader is in a potential in a quote unquote. Uh, um, in a quote unquote like hierarchy where you know it is we are the talent slash we are the team and we are the boys and the girls and like this is management slash coaches slash uh, the the office the GMs the the CEOs and they're making a decision on us about like but we have to be you have to be for us because those people are separated for us so they can make decisions on how to get rid of some of us individually and how do we deal with that um as time goes along and you're right like the Seth Rollins stuff is not like that is the Seth Rollins stuff is like the stuff you hear about quarterbacks like okay like yeah you're the leader because you're the quarterback you're not the leader because you're actually the leader and like in fact your middle management um and we feel uncomfortable like coming with you with some of the stuff we have because your middle management it is a matter of time for you to run off and snitch to or whatever else to uh to um whoever's upstairs about that stuff and like that's what it comes off like do you want do you want to be the emotional leader or do you want to be a quarterback in it sounds like Seth Rollins wants to be a quarterback. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a quarterback. You get paid a lot more. People get treated real nice. But I, I feel like you're, you know, the people that you actually have to interact with, uh, they don't respect you in the way that you wish they did. <laughs> and you're going to have to come down, and, you know, and from, you know, from Hulk Hogan to, you know, to John Cena to now, like, People will have to make those choices, and they're going to have to live those, with those choices. It's not to say that like, these people are terrible people. Uh, it's just to say that like, a lot of people's um, livelihoods and, and uh, feelings over the years are going to be a lot different than what you, uh, than what you, you know, realize years later down the line whenever you see Joe Blow or whoever else that was, you know, Coming in, you know, coming in and sharing these rooms with you, you realize like, oh yeah, I wasn't really that close to that person, or whatever else. And granted, like all those people can't be that close to those people, but it, it's we'll even see, funny we'll looking see. at Seth. Like we, we we all thought, you know, him and John Moxley they were brothers, you know, right. as far as everybody knew, but right. it apparently wasn't like that. Right, and like we'll see in the years to come when like you know W can't hire everybody to be there for fifteen years. Like we'll see when these shoot videos come out how they feel about oh, yeah. how everyone feels about everybody because I have a feeling like with Seth it's gonna come off like you're gonna hear a lot of the you're gonna hear a lot of the word dork involved with <laughs> um, or kiss ass and like I don't know if that's really what you want to be at the end of the day and he and I guarantee he don't really feel that way either while well, he's doing the stuff he's doing um, so yeah. it, we'll, we'll see we'll see. Yeah. Uh- so, Double or Nothing is going to be uh, still airing on pay-per-view in late May. Uh, looks like they postponed the official show till May 2021. So, if you bought a ticket for this year, you can just roll it over to next year, apparently. Still going to air on pay-per-view. Um, I believe it's live. They didn't really say. So, it could be taped. Who knows? Um, 
there was a date I heard that they're going back to tape more TV, which could be May 23rd, if I'm not mistaken. I saw a lot of keep the same energies, like from the usual suspects on, uh, you know, don't for, for double or nothing, you know, still taking place. Uh, I, you know, I'm looking at it. I'm like, well, double or nothing's what? Six weeks away. We don't know what six weeks away is going to be right now. So like, I don't, I don't have a problem with them saying, yeah, there's going to be a double or nothing at this point. Um, yeah, there, there's a difference between running a SmackDown right now where we know the current <laughs> climate versus, as you said, hey, six weeks from now, this is what we're going to do. Uh, I guess just in short, got to be honest, I'm tapped out of empty arena wrestling. <laughs> I, I, I can't do it anymore. I feel like it's reached this apex. I think uh, AEW does it way better than WWE because AEW at least recognizes uh, and their wrestlers operate in the world where there's an actual pandemic, whereas WWE wrestlers are operating in a world of unforeseen circumstances. And it comes off that way. They come out, they do their pose, they look into the horror cam, they grab their mic, cut a pro, and it's like, what is going on here? Who are you guys performing in front of? And it looks like a dress rehearsal. It just comes off just so terrible. AEW at least has some life into it. But like I said, just watching these empty arena shows are just and to pay for one <laughs> now yes. i'm not one of these people that's going to pretend that i pay to see the crowd but you want that big fight atmosphere can you imagine just imagine just for a moment manny pacquiao floyd mayweather it's the fight everyone wants to see this is the fight and then they're in the performance center <laughs> i mean sure is it the fight that people still want to see yeah but it brings it down several notches. Uh, so if I have some free time, will I watch some empty arena wrestling? Yeah, sure, I guess. Am I going to pay for it? No, because I do not want to encourage anyone. While I do want to support the wrestlers, <laughs> and I can do that in various other ways, I can listen to their podcasts, buy merch directly. I don't want anyone to think that empty arena wrestling is the way to go and that I'm so hard up on entertainment as some people oh well they have to do this to keep us entertained yes that's exactly what i'm worried about in a pandemic i'm going to run out of sports entertainment so that that's where i am as far as double or nothing i may watch it i may not it really depends on what i'm doing at the time but i will have my pirate patch on and my captain's hat as i will sell the digital seas for that one <laughs> James, what, what, what do you think about this whole thing still going down? Yeah, um, I don't really see the need to do this. Like, if you just pack this shit up and say we'll do a pay per view when like we can get fans back, I'm good with that. Like, when they talk, you know, whether it's Raw or it's SmackDown or it's NXT or it's Dynamite or it's Stardom or No People Gate or whatever else, it's like. If you just can't do it, I'm okay with y'all just being like, we just can't do it. And it'll honestly, you know, I, I would be like, okay, I get it. Like, y'all can't do this in the way that y'all want to present this thing. And obviously, it's lesser than, so we just not going to do it. Um, as far as, you know, um, I just don't get the need for just like I didn't get the need for WrestleMania. It's like, nah, man, punt, punt that shit. It's a wrap. Um, 
So that's that's so I think the difference. I, I think the difference with WrestleMania and, and uh, what AEW is doing. WrestleMania was on a network for like nine ninety nine, and literally nothing is going to change there. And they could have ran that at any time, so you don't really know what they're losing. I I feel like AEW feels like they have to do this to make money because they're not. But what money dates. are they gonna make? But what, my question is, what money pay-per-view are they gonna make? Fifth, no, 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 no. I get it's pay per view money. What kind? How many pay per view buys are they gonna get to where it's like actually worth it to do this? That's you know what I mean. Like, what are they gonna? How many? How many? They gonna say they normally sell around a hundred thousand buys on a pay per view. Mm-hmm. What fucking chance they're gonna do that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, at what point? Like, what do they see in their numbers that make them think that, like, after watching all this empty arena wrestling, that they can just run this back and then run it for uh, for $50 as well or whatever the price is going to be, and they can have, and they're going to make enough money to where it's actually worth it to do. I, I don't personally don't think, like, it's going to be worth it for them to run. Like, how many buys do you think? Yeah, let's say if it, I don't think it's going to be, but, like, let's I say. I think anything is better than zero. I, I, I don't know. Like I'm just I'm just trying to figure out like the cost of running a pay per view to begin with, and then uh, and then you know from there is like how people are going to buy this shit to where they're actually going to make a profit or make it worth it to fly these bodies in and out to you know risk getting sick to do such a thing or mm-hmm. tape or whatever else. I don't know if it's taped or whatever else. I just don't. You know they're making. You know they have their TV contract. They're signed. I think that should be good enough for now. Seeing that there are no houses um, that they're renting out right now, they're running out of shit that they already own, or someone works for the company that um, that is they're running out of. You know what I'm saying? Like these these um, venues that they're working out of right now are at no cost. So what profit do you need to turn right now that can't be? You know, sorry, what? What money is being lost that won't be answered by your TV contract? I just find it weird. And for me, I kind of look at it as just to go off of that. I can understand if AEW or even WWE were in a really hot angle right now where they were firing on all cylinders. Great stories are being told, but there's nothing really happening. Well, this is not an error. I'm oh, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. They did have, um, you know, the blood and guts thing. that got sideswiped by this, and maybe, maybe oh, that's yeah. the maybe that's the trump card they can pull out. Is like we got blood and guts or whatever else. But like outside of that, I don't really see the need to do this. And I wouldn't want to do blood and guts a war games without a crowd. I just wouldn't do want to do that. Oh yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah, they they definitely need to save that for their back pocket, or rather, keep that in the back pocket. Uh, but what I mainly <laughs> meant was. Prior to the breakout, AEW was going in a great direction creatively, a lot of fun shows. But this this pandemic has definitely changed things. That's and true. so as of right now, because it stifled uh, so much of what these companies were going to do, what's currently being presented isn't really that exciting. And so we're not getting that, oh, man, blood and guts is coming. It's more, okay, well... Shug D's gonna wrestle Sammy Guevara, <laughs> and I, I like both guys. But you know, if, if that's what we're looking at right now, I can sit out. So yeah, I do think that this should have been a time where pro wrestling just really stepped back. Uh, again, I can understand waiting three months, see how things are, and then maybe cycling uh, back up. Uh, but as of right now, I do not see myself twenty years from now at 2 a.m. on a Sunday saying, wow, I have nothing to do. You know what show I really want to watch? <laughs> That's not happening. 
the thing for me watching all this empty ring of wrestling is like I'm I'm it it hasn't burned me out and I'm okay with it because ultimately like I'm a I'm a in the ring per, per, person first anyway so like I'm okay without crowd noise um so like I'm I'm kind of here to see like the technical proficiency and how well you sell for after like going through the war of attrition it is getting your ass whooped and kicking ass so like. I'm fine with it for the most part. I can watch Alistair Black and Asuka and Daniel Bryan and Kenny Omega and Matt Riddle all day in MP Arena. I don't give a shit. They beat each other's ass and they're, they're you know, it's awesome. But um, when you're watching like the not good wrestling, it's stand- oh, it like you like when the wrestling's not good. Oh boy, is it not good? Um, so so yeah, I, I definitely. So you're not you're not signing up for that that Corbin versus Elias. <sighs> no, no. <laughs> No, and I'm look. I'm not. Uh, I, we'll talk about it in a second. But like, I'm also not signing up for Dean Ambrose. Or no, sorry, Moxley and, and Hager going 30 minutes either. Um, like it had its moments, but like most of it was not like good enough to be on. You know, go that long. Um, yeah, I I just. But as far as what would even be on this card, if it's going to come, like what do we think is going to be on this card? I would think Cody and Lance Archer. Uh, oh yeah, the maybe, final. Right. Maybe uh, Jericho and Moxley rematch. Um, that would make sense. I don't know about the tag belts. Um, not sure. Are they going to do what's it called in a couple weeks? The uh, Matt Hardy in in on the or sorry Matt Hardy and Jericho on the Hardy compound is that coming? No Wasn't idea. it teased though? Yeah, they, they Matt Hardy has a segment that's coming. I think next week. Okay. Um, it, it's really all up in the air. It, okay. It, it, yeah. Okay. Um, but um, I guess we might as well talk about it. we we skirted around it. So um, Moxley and Hager. Uh, I actually ended up watching it Saturday, or whatever. So I kind of got it out of context mm-hmm. <laughs> with everyone else. Uh, I didn't think Jim Ross was bad at all. I thought Ross was actually like good. In the match, um, there were four commercial breaks. I think if you take out the third portion, I think it's a good match. Uh, I think it was like the the opening part, which everyone uh, was talking about, like the, the blood sport, grapple fuck stuff. That's not up my alley at all, but I enjoyed that. Um, I think my main problem with uh, Hager, and I believe Floyd touched on this on All Things Elite, is he doesn't come off like as aggressive as he should be. It seems like he should be doing like more like slams or suplexes or something like, and it, there's like something there with him that it's like, he's not quite, it's not quite curling like Luther Vandross. Like, (laughs) like it's, you know, and with Moxley, you know, Moxley, I'm not blaming this one on him because he's done plenty of good work, but um, I think it's just a, just a thing with Hager where he has to be more explosive and more aggressive because it's like he's feeling his way around being uh, the MMA, you know, the undefeated MMA, as they say. (laughs) Yeah, and he's trying to work that into his gimmick, and it just is not working as of right now. Uh, I think he really needs to go back to, we would see with Jack Swagger, when he was Jack Swagger in WWE, we would see flashes of brilliance in the ring at times. And so I think he needs to go back to what he knows, what he can do. It's okay to have the MMA record. 
that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be the MMA guy. There's too many people right now trying to do that style or relying on that as their background. Hey, I'm the prize fighter. You have Sonia Deville doing that. You have Matt Riddle. You have so many people running that gimmick. I think it's okay to have that in your promos and mention it. But he should still go beyond that because as of right now, it seems as though he's putting all his eggs in that one basket and it's really bringing down his matches to me. Yeah, um, this is a WWE guy that still works a WWE style. And the problem with his style is that he works it as if he is a prelim dude and you're in the main event. And that's a problem. Um, right. So. Uh, we talked. We touched on this a bit um, with Kofi last year. It was like, yes, he had a great match with Daniel Bryan, but out, outside of that, for the most part, on pay per view, he was having like mid card level matches that were stretched out longer than they should have gone, and they suffered because of that. And they also had mid card ass finishes, which is also a problem. But um, Swagger has been a prelim was a prelim guy for a long time in WWE. And like he has to get that off him and figure out like how to work um, a more entertaining style. And I don't know if that's turning up. He needs to just flat out like work snugger, or he needs to work stiffer, or if he needs to um, like dig further into the tortured tortured type wrestler guy that's doing um, joint joint manipulation porn or what. But there's no there's no like. Uh, you know, aggressive. There's there's a lack of aggressiveness, and there's also a lack of um, explosiveness. And you know, if you want to be the the MMA, um, the MMA slash amateur wrestler dude, throw people the fuck around already, and stop. Yeah. You know, like it's okay. Like you can throw, you can th- suplex a person a million times. Like, and, and, you know, um, Tom made a great point about like there is an overabundance of like people that have a prize fighter slash MMA um, shoot fighter gimmick going on, but it's like yes, there is, but like there's also all those people are also a lot better at Jack Swagger at professional wrestling in the ring. Like <laughs> Matt Riddle could, th- I could watch Matt Riddle for days, just like just just throw people around, kick the shit out of people, and and go from there. I could watch. Um, Red Dragon, specifically Kyle O'Reilly, just wail on people um, from the ground. I can watch Daniel Bryan work on the mat forever. That's that's not a problem for me. But like Jack Swagger, specifically, is like there's a lack of there's just a slow pace. You don't see any aggression uh, for long uh, stretches of a match, and you just don't really feel like you just don't feel it. Um, and you know maybe it would have been there the crowd if they had a crowd to react to, but. It wasn't there, and they start off the match, and like the their um, chain wrestling and mat wrestling is crummy, and then and then like last half of that on the floor get, actually turns into um, good, and then they're and then they basically go out the ring and start you know hitting each other with shit or hitting each other outside the ring, and Ross made the mistake of saying that it was a um, it wasn't false counting where when it was, which caused confusion of like why are they outside like trying to choke each other out when. You, you have to drag a fucking carcass into the ring, and when it turns out, like, no, nah, Ross was mistaken that one time, and, like, that affected my mood on the match. So, for me, like, the the second half of them wrestling in the ring, or ground wrestling, was good. They're, the segment between the second commercial and the third commercial was very good, 
And then I thought the end of the match was good, but everything else between everything else aside from that, I thought I I just couldn't feel it. Yeah, uh, it was at that third commercial break where I was like, "Man, this is getting a little long." And <laughs> but I, and I already knew how long it was going into it, but I was just like, oh, "I'm just watch." I watched the whole show, so mm-hmm. um, yeah. I mean, Moxley, you know, defends the belt, and I I don't know. Like, obviously, you know the match didn't work out, but I think everything leading up to this match was fucking awesome. Like as far as like keeping Hager like, you know, for months essentially, like having them choke niggas out and basically the uh video packages and the presentations with the promos on each side, that he can't come home stuff with his wife. Uh the MMA, you know, you get Ari Hawani on there like I, I you know, there <laughs> they're going to set you up for success. So all you got to do is go, is go be successful. And they, you know, and I don't know if they, they hit that, uh, you know, that side of it in the ring, but uh, yeah, let, it, let's get Hager out of the way. We've seen, you know, we've seen it now. And I think he needs to go back to the drawing board as far as, you know, how he's going to present himself as a more threatening uh, wrestler in the ring. Yeah. And, and I, maybe- I, and maybe he needs to wrestle people that he hasn't worked before. Like maybe yeah. you get him out of his element instead of having him work gold dust and work um, Ambrose, like have him work people he's unfamiliar with and like, and let's see him like stretch, you know, stretch what he can do and see if he can, uh, what he does with, like with new people to give him new ideas on, on how to do things. Cause like you putting two WWE dudes in the ring together or, you know, multiple times is like, all right, like they've done it before. Like they could fall back into comfort. Yeah. And I think, you know, not to say that that's, like, the worst thing in the world to work someone you're familiar with, but, like, you you kind of get in a situation where it's like, look, the reason why people watch AEW because they're sick of WWE, and then you have two WWE people basically going to the ring and have a WWE match, it's like, you know, like, there's nothing to say there's wrong with WWE style, but, like... That's not what this crowd is, that's like, not, That's not necessarily for. what this crowd wants, necessarily, and... I, I think that the match would have been better with a, with a crowd, but we'll. But you know, yeah, it is what it is. That's what they gave us, and that's what we had to go on, and it was okay. And it was. I, I think also not only uh, with a crowd, but if it was shorter, you know, yeah. I think that Jack Swagger is one of these guys that, for the most part, keep it under ten minutes. There's no reason for this guy, especially if he's working an MMA gimmick where he's fighting for his family, he's a prize fighter. It's real whenever he steps into the ring. Everything else is fake, of course. <laughs> but it's real when Swagger steps in. Then let's keep it real. Let's keep right. it under 10 minutes. Let's get in, get out, hit your spots, do what you need to do. And as you said, it will really benefit him to begin working with other people. One of the things about AEW, and this is why a lot of people really haven't soured on them, AEW, they take notes. They learn. They see what works. They see what doesn't work. They make modifications. They make adjustments. This might be one of those times where during this uh, quote unquote downtime, if you will, they're going to look at this and say, okay, should we go a different direction with this guy? Is this another situation where you put the dark order on TV? No one knows who they are. Then they start doing video packages. Is this another situation where the Nightmare Collective is just a bad idea from the start and isn't over? And then they pull the plug. This might be a situation where, again, they revisit and say, okay, Jack Swagger doing this MMA stuff, that's cool, but we need to scale down. 
scale down so we don't overexpose him and not only expose him, but do the same thing that TNA did a long time ago and giving fans who are desperately looking for something else and who want something else. As you mentioned, James, they're looking for that different style and you're giving them the WWE style. Doing that here and there is fine. But when you start doing 30 minute WWE self epics and all this other stuff is going to be problematic. Uh, Like I said, less is more. I always say that less is more with swagger with Hager. Yeah. Less is more. Yeah. And like when I say the WWE style, like I, because like in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh God, I want someone to hear this and be like, what's wrong with the WWE style? I don't mean specifically all of WWE style. Like Mm -hmm. their main event style before they get to the fuck finish (laughs) is perfectly fine. Their style when it comes to them at you know having one of those top of the hour uh, matches that you know the the Seth Rollins the AJ Styles Rey Mysterio um, match is more than fine more than acceptable. I can watch that all day. I'm talking specifically for the the non like the we don't care about this match WWE like 2000 early early 2010 style like no one wants to see that no more. Like in Swagger. I don't know if it's because of you know I am I can't I'm like I'm playing like the word associate in my mind of like that's what he is like I can't I need to see him do something else to make me think that like there's something beyond that so I can get to it and like having some WWE style on this show where it's all the flips and dives and no rest holes like I think that's a I think there is a space for that I think like you know you want variety in your pro wrestling and I will I think there's a place for that and I think that's the reason why like Jericho is succeeded so well in New Japan is that he goes basically kind of has like WWE main events um, when he's in New Japan when you get to see you know different sides of Tanahashi or Naito but you they're hiring a lot of WWE guys and like you kind of worry about like how's this mix how's this going to mix or whatever else and how can we get these dudes kind of get out of what they've been doing for so long to kind of you know we had a, open to ideas we had a conversation the other day like about you know we were juxtapositioning bringing in Zack Ryder and oh. how that would affect someone like a Joey Janela for, for example yeah. like and Joey Janela's had you know awesome matches in the AEW thus far as like someone that you know pretty much does good work whenever you know you ask him to step up rather mm-hmm. than you know deal with fucking mid Sabian, but <laughs> um, like so it's like I think they have to do a better job of like mixing these you know these worlds because I think that's like kind of the appeal of the promotion right now right like it's like all right what was Kenny Omega and John Mosley what were they gonna do together when they got in the ring like mm-hmm. you know what was you know Pac and Kenny like you know stuff like that and um, unfortunately like you know you're looking at all the opponents that Cody's had so far they seem like they would just fit right in that, you know, his brother, Sean Spears, MJF. Mm-hmm. Lance is kind of a challenge for him because Lance is like, you don't know what the fuck Lance is. Like, he can right. do, it, do it all, right? essentially. So Right, and then, like, you get Cody, and then you see him with Darby, and you're like, this is the Cody Rose I want. I want him wrestling Darby. I want that kind of wrestling. I don't want this, you know, that's what we were just talking about. Like, I don't want same, you know? Um, yeah. so like yeah like Cody's perfect example of like when you when you go outside and get new ideas or whatever else like like my favorite Cody match like is the Bushi match from uh, Russell Kingdom 12 that's my favorite Cody match Um, so like he was out of his comfort zone he's in a whole different fucking country doing that right so I'm 
because of Cody's success, I see the roadmap of like, if you just have an openness and a willingness and you bust your ass, you can make it work. And I'm, so that's why I'm not ready just to write off after two matches with, um, with Hager being like, no, it's a wrap for him. Like I, but I do think like it needs to be modified in some way and we need to figure out how to, how are we going to get to this middle ground? And like, you know, that middle ground we were talking about with, like earlier with Lance Storm, like Lance Storm is a person that can find a middle ground. Uh, but like there has to be more people in and around wrestling besides just Lance Storm know how to figure this out. Has to you got to get in there with somebody that's fast, that's that's, that's in removing, that's really like a super worker. Let him be the small dude. Up. Let him put him in the ring with a small dude. Well, Bully Ray has a school. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bully you know Ray. Bully Ray is it? Was it Bully Ray or Devon that helped? Um, um, that brought in or not helped uh, train. Uh, what's her name? Caden Carter. Had to make sure it's Carter, not not Carlos. But uh, I, he was, she was their school. I don't know. It, yeah. it was their yeah. joint school. Yeah. So like, even you know, even even someone like Bubba Ray Dudley, like his can can kind of you know help guide this. So it's like this isn't some foreign thing or like and like people are just you know pioneering someone some some maverick. It's like nah, people know how to adjust their wrestling. It's just we got to find that middle ground for and find like the right you know frequency for these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, NXT, as far as NXT, though, I have nothing to say. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I know they have their WWE G1 starting. Um, right. So they have, uh, I, maybe we should like pull up the brackets here, but um, I know in, in uh, on one side, it's Drake Maverick, uh, the, the recently released Drake Maverick, the, you know, hope he doesn't get injured, Drake Maverick. The hope, you know, the, hey, I'm trying to have these matches to show that I might be able to, you know, do something outside of this place during during Maverick. Uh, He's in there with Jake Atlas, who was beat up and squashed uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, by Dexter Loomis. Correct. Why why you simply couldn't, um, (laughs) like, why you simply couldn't not have him lose before you did this thing. You know, it it seems like it's a very tough thing uh, for them to do. Yeah. Um, who else is in this damn tournament? Um, it's I don't know what the brackets are, but Kashida's also in this. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I think Swerve's in this too. Or am I mistaken? I can't remember. I don't know why it's so hard to find right now. I'm trying to find it. Yeah. Um, we can go through. Kira, just Kira Tazawa. Yeah. Yeah. Kira that's right. Tazawa. Um, Tony Nice may be in it. Tony as Nese well. Uh, so they're bro- broken up into a couple different blocks. Uh, Tom, would you, when you first saw this, did you howl and laugh her like I did, or did you like uh, think that this was kind of interesting? I think it's interesting, but at the same time, it's one of those things that after seeing Drake Maverick cut his promo, well, I don't want to say it was a promo. This guy was recently released and fired and uh, gave an emotional video. But in it, he said, I am thankful that WWE is still allowing me to. And I'm like, whoa, hold on, time out. They just <laughs> fired you. you. This isn't a time to be grateful or thankful that they're, they let you go, man. And that was one of the 
I, I always call this era the gratitude era. Oh, God. Yep. Where so many people are just happy to be employed. Mm-hmm. So much so to the point where Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder's characters were guys who are happy to be here. Like, that was like their legit characters towards the end. You can hear it on the commentary team. They say it all the time. You have these wrestlers defending WWE 2K20, this terrible video game that came out. And they say, well, I'm happy to just be in the game. And that's kind of what we saw with Drake Maverick, where this wasn't, hey, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to be, you know, doing everything that I can do. Thank you, WWE, for the time and the fans. It was, well, thank you, Vince and everyone, for allowing me to still work released. And it's like, no. They're not doing you a favor. They're doing something that works for them. Uh, So I would have liked to see, you know, again, I don't expect this guy to put on a beret and dark sunglasses and start a revolution. (laughs) But at the same time, I think that extra kiss on the butt and thank you uh, was unnecessary. So it kind of sours the tournament for me. Uh, As far as overall, uh, again, great assembly of talent. Uh, should be really interesting. I mean, these guys are, uh, they are in a weird position. They are in a weird position, which is, I, I got, I'm just going to be honest. I can't watch it because it just makes me feel uncomfortable. These guys are going out during a pandemic to wrestle for a company that doesn't care about them and that will, if they need to, release them. 24, 48, 72 hours. There's no guarantee here. And this is not something that a lot of people are really going to watch, much less remember. And I do not see WWE ever capitalizing on this time. Let's say Shane Strickland wins. Or Isaiah Scott, is it now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm just Swerve because he still goes by Swerve. Okay. Okay. We'll go with Swerve. Imagine Swerve wins this. We go back to normal three months from now. Are there going to be video packages about this tournament? Is it going to be mentioned more than just in passing on commentary? Is this going to have the build and nostalgia built around it and uh, a WWE 24-hour special? No, it's not. This is just going to be something that's going to be in the background. It's going to come and go. It's not going to be worth anything. And I, I just see it as pointless. And it's happening during a time where this really shouldn't happen. And it's happening during a time where we know the company really doesn't care about its employees. So it's, it's sad. Or I shouldn't say employees. Contractors. <laughs> Contractors. I got the full list. Uh, yeah, I got it there, too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, group A is Kushida, Drake Maverick, Tony Nese, and Jake Atlas. And then Group B is Akira Tozawa, El Hio, Del Fantasmo, um, Jack Gallagher, and uh, Swerve. Like... Yes, I would like to be for there to be a crowd for this. Um, well, if there were a crowd, then like that means there would probably be no travel ban. Therefore, there'd be no no need to have an interim tournament. But um, like the amount of talent in this thing, specifically in Group B, is like incredible. Um, no, no disrespect to Group A because Group A has Kushida, who might be is probably the best wrestler of the whole bunch. But um, yeah, I just I I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna enjoy it because there's a bunch of wrestlers I think wrestled their ass off. I love Kushida. I love Swerve. I love Akira Tozawa. So um, I'm gonna watch it. Like the stakes as far as like you know making your wrestling 
they're not really there. It's an interim. It's a it's a it's a round robin for an interim title, right? That's only <coughs> that's only exists for a, a travel ban. Like so, so, why 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 now for interim championship, James? Um, I think it's just to fill TV time. To be honest with you, like it, like but, you know, I, they they have champions that regularly don't show up most of the oh, year. Yeah, I get you. I right? Get you. Yeah, right, right. But that that remember that is on the main roster. That is not the network. Uh, but what I will say is, um, I. Th- like it, it get when I saw it at first until I found out it was Ron Robin. I had flashbacks to the breakout tournament from last year, and I was like, "That does not get anyone." That got the people that got over in that thing were the people that they got over initially, and it, like, um, you had the people that got on was was like Garza and Swerve and ACH, and then those are the people that got over the most in that tournament. And then like ACH won it, but like they got rid of swerve in the first round. They got rid of uh Garza in the second round. It's like, okay. And then you look and you flash forward to now and it's like, look where Garza is. Look where ACH is. Look at where like uh, Cameron Grimes is. It's like, okay. Like you, you this was a time filled thing because you lost so much talent out of your tag team divisions and out of your singles division with Johnny being injured and, um, pulling up Ricochet and and Alistair Black, and you had no way to really you had to repopulate that. But like what y'all should have did at a time was push Keith Lee and Matt Riddle. Um, and now we're still feeling the effects of what happened last year. And like that's the reason why like NXT feels the way it it, it feels weird. Is like they they got juice when they got on the network because they started like just giving you blowaway matches and everything else. Um, and then, like, this time around, it's like, you look at viable candidates for the future f- or whatever else, and it's like, uh, Velveteen's not, needs to, needs to, like, get rebuilt up. Um, Keith Lee's been moved to, like, <laughs> he, he's been moved to the secondary champion at a time where, like, the secondary class is, like, the weakest it's been in a long time in NXT. Um... And then Riddle's in a tag team, and his tag team partners like on the other side of the world. Uh, like they're in a weird place as far as like future contenders for you know Adam Cole's title. And like, I guess the thing is like, well, we're kind of stuck right now. Let's let's you know let's try to heat swerve back up because we put we, we let go of the rope on that one. Let's let's heat up Kashida because we fucked that up from from get go. And maybe this you know maybe they actually do right by these people that are super talented. Maybe. Or, mm-hmm. <laughs> or you know, if it, it falls through the cracks because of like it has been <clears throat> NXT for a while. Um, still a great wrestling, but like the storytelling stuff is aside from like the takeover worthy stuff is just really not there. Like from okay, we've like a sense of momentum being built for a person to go towards a certain goal or what, 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 whatever it may be. It just feels like they're doing destination to destination television and like that's cool and it's a lot better fundamentally than what the main roster does but like it still feels like there's something lacking. Yeah. Um, looking at Group A and Group B, I'm thinking they're probably going to use this as a vehicle to push uh, Phantasma because uh I think he's the one that's going to be behind all these abductions or whatever in the parking lot. And, you know, strong oh, encouragement to jump in the, in the Jeep. You know? Oh God. So I think this is going to be, you know, something for him. Do we know, do we know if he speaks English? I do not. Okay. 
I think they did give him a video package last week. Okay. What I heard, so I have to get around to it. I plan on watching after the show. Um, but yeah, guys, um, we did lose Howard Finkel uh, this week, so um, just wanted to talk about him uh, real quick. Howard Finkel has a big, like, classic voice of professional wrestling. You know, you could say going from the seventies to like the mid two thousands before they like took him off air and all that. Uh, he literally has a chant. Everyone, you know, chants one fall kind of because of Howard Finkel. Right. And uh, I, I watched uh, like a lot of people did. I would say there's also and new because of him too. Yeah. Um, you know, when he brought it, when CM Punk brought him out to be his personal ring announcer, I remember really liking that at the time, especially with them being in Madison Square Garden and um, everything like that. Uh, I watched him on Legends House, you know, years ago and all that, and just, you know, seeing he was just a really kind of nice guy. Uh, you know, it's sad when anyone, you know, dies. He was eight, he was six, nine years old. But um, yeah, just a, just a voice that, is associated with so many great memories and, you know, big stars. Yeah. Howard Finkel was the voice that connected so many generations. Again, we talk about the eighties. We talk about the Hogan era. We talk about the new generation, the attitude error, <clears throat> even ruthless aggression in some respects. And, just an amazing voice that always felt big. And when I say big, not just the uh, booming voice, the authoritative voice, but there's just certain matches that when you hear Howard Finkel's announcing, you know it's the main event. You know it's important. He is the Michael Buffer of pro wrestling, hands down. Uh, not only that, but he is part of the generation where we always talk about vanilla commentators and uh, glorified microphones, human microphones. I remember who was it? Kathy Kelly left yeah. WWE not too long ago. And yes, people were sending condolences as if she had these great moments. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Listen, if you think she looks great, that's fine. And you can say that if she has a interesting personality on Instagram that you that's fine you can say that but to pretend as though she's leaving behind this huge legacy that yeah. will never be fulfilled or replicated no 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 guys like mean gene have left shoes that to this day have not been filled howard finkel is the same way there are so many commentators and personalities of the past that were more than just guys on a headset or guys holding a microphone they were personalities and they actually it was part of the presentation it was part of the company and right now i cannot think of anyone just specifically in wwe that would leave today a part of this new generation that could leave today where i say wow that guy right there tons of moments no one's ever going to replace him that's a hard goodbye and when we start taking a look at the wrestling landscape, more so just in America, you see that that's really the case. There's really uh, not a lot of people like Howard, not a lot of people like Mean Gene. Uh, these guys were one in a million. And unfortunately, as of right now, and maybe I'm wrong in starting next year or five years from now or 10 years from now, but we're not really seeing that uh, replaced in any way. And so, yeah, definitely rest in peace to Howard Finkel always loved the fink and i hate 
that one of his last TV appearances, when he was introducing CM Punk, when you take a look at the video online uh, or you watch it on the network, this big moment from this iconic voice and this iconic character and this iconic person, Michael Cole is just busting his chops. Jerry Lawler snickering. Booker T is trying to put him over. But again, this was one of those moments that uh, for Howard's personal highlight reel, less is more. It's good to lay out. Let the man do what he needs to do. Let the fans really appreciate it and give him his roses while he's alive rather than him going back home, queuing up the tape and hearing Michael Cole snicker and all this other crazy stuff. Uh, Apparently he was bullied heavily in WWE, uh, Percy Pringle and uh, exactly right. Uh, Percy Pringle. So the late Paul Bearer and Jim Cornette uh, spoke about that uh, on a shoot series a long time ago. And uh, yeah, like I said, there's never going to be another Fink and definitely rest in peace. Yeah, um, I think he's one of the great ring announcers that I've heard. Um, and I think I think it's cool, it's cool that he has a distinctive sound and, and his own call that like makes you think distinctly of him. Um, so, like when I think of it now in in terms like I think of New Japan's ring announcer, I think of All Japan Women's ring announcer, I think of Finkel, and I think of like yeah, and I think of Justin Roberts uh, to an extent. Like when he you know the the John Cena or the you know the the uh, you know his Undertaker call is the one he uh, people ask him to do on request. Like he's a damn um, toy that you just pull the string out of his back and he'll just do it on the command. And he will because he's nice. But um, yeah, I, I think that you know. I don't know how people can do those jobs or whatever else, but like, I think that he was great at great at it, and one of the uh, of the ones that I can, like think of distinctly. So, um, oh, uh, do we also want to throw out um, Ricardo Rodriguez as well? <laughs> do we <laughs> throw him out too? He was he was awesome, uh, yeah. but but yeah, just um, oh yeah, he was good. He was yeah, good. <laughs> you know, he's a he's a person that's like. Um, I don't really know how much, you know, uh, attachment I should have with him, but, like, he's somebody that, like, I have fond memories of. And, and, you know, and obviously he'll be deeply missed by a lot of uh, wrestling fans. The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Right. Yeah, you can't, can't, um, you know, can't do it better than Fink. But uh, I think it's a good place to leave it. Uh, So, Tom, definitely uh, thank you for uh, joining us. Let everybody know where um, they can find you and drop your plugs. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Uh, I do love listening to your show. It's always a fun listen uh, with the various guests that you have on, or even if it's with you two, the Teddy Riley and Babyface of Pro Wrestling Podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) What? But yeah, um, you can check out my podcast, the Military Industrial Suplex. I drop ever so often. I like to uh, just put it on the timeline, the Pro Wrestling Only Network. So we're on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere in time and space. Yes, sir. I'm still over cracking up over this. I was like, I don't know. I think it's hilarious, but like, I don't know if I should feel insulted because like, them, like Babyface is like 62. <laughs> Like uh, Teddy Riley's fifty-two or something like that. Like we ain't that damn old. Like can we can we at least be called like I don't know the T Pain of the Dream? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to even do with this. Um, but yeah, like um, 
but but yeah, definitely thank you, Tom, for, for joining us. And um, yeah, uh, but that's it of the show. Be sure to rate us on whatever app you're using to listen to this. Um, tell the folks about the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Be sure to check out our friends at powerslam.tv, the sponsor of this show. If you're a fan of independent pro wrestling, they have over 5,000 hours of footage from all over the world. Use the code Social Suplex to get your free month's trial. Don't forget to visit ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. Pick up some official Social Suplex Podcast Network merchandise. Be sure to check out the other shows on One Nation or Social Suplex Podcast Network. Um, on Sundays, we have this show, One Nation Radio. Tuesdays, Keeping It Strong Style. Wednesdays, the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast. Every other Wednesday, Grumman Watch This Shit. Thursdays, or I'm sorry, Fridays, we have In The Ring. And on Saturdays, we have All Things Elite. Thanks for listening. Later. Peace.